What's up, Slump Busters? It's time for episode 94 of the Slump Buster Podcast. I'm your host, Juju Talk Sports, and my guest today is Mr. Gary Maselli. Now, Gary is a sports memorabilia enthusiast, but we end up having one of the best baseball discussions I think I've ever had on the history of this show. If you're really enjoying the MLB season at this point, this is definitely the podcast for you. But before we do that, folks, it's time to give a shout out to our partners. Caveman Coffee Co. Caveman is a fantastic single source, single origin goodness from a company with impeccable taste and ethics. The people behind it are beautiful souls, and the coffee is delicious fuel for the never-ending quest to do better, be better, love harder, and enjoy deeper. Guys, I tell you, their nitro cold brew is the perfect blend of energy and refreshment in the morning. Great way to start the day. But why stop there? They have their mammoth blends, which I highly encourage you getting. They have their hibiscus teas, which are delicious. And guys, if you use our promo code slump, you get 15% off your next purchase of any of these fantastic products cavemancoffeeco.com promo code slump guys don't be a chump use promo code slump and get yourself a case today all right guys juju talk sports gary maselli episode 94 let's get it let's go let's bust the slump enjoy Welcome to Slump Busters. It is time for episode 94. I am your host, Juju Talk Sports. And today's guest here to discuss an interesting subject, one that we haven't talked about on the podcast before, Gary Maselli, who's coming in at the right time because I have just finished a epic Pawn Stars binge here. So I think talking the subject of sports memorabilia, perfect timing here. Gary, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to have you. Like, I'm happy to, again, shake things up a little bit. You know, we've been talking draft. We've been talking a lot of current headlines. Sports memorabilia, you know, like it definitely caught my eye. Now, how did you find yourself getting into the subject and why do you want to discuss it here today? Okay, so I started collecting memorabilia back in 2002. I started collecting film and television memorabilia, uh, scripts, costumes, props, all that kind of stuff, call sheets, posters, whatever I can get. Cause I, I just really, really love this stuff. And this stuff is part of my history. And then I started collecting sports after that, you know, autographs, autograph baseballs, football autographs, any autographs I can get, pieces of game used items game used bowls, bats, whatever that I really loved. I just collected and gravitated towards and I just collected as much as I can. What, what's your favorite piece of memorabilia that you own, whether that be in film or sports? Oh God. Uh, oh my God. Does it have to be a physical item? Doesn't have to be a physical item, um, but I am intrigued to see what is not a physical item. <laughs> Okay, so, okay, my favorite sport of all time is baseball. I was at a game once, and I, I took my mom to see a game, and she was sitting on the right of me, and I was talking to this family behind me, because we were talking, like, I heard them talking about Mickey Mantle, so I started talking to them about Mickey Mantle, and then I was talking to uh, the grandfather of that group, I think the, the grandfather, and he was telling me how he met my favorite player. He met Babe Ruth. And as soon as I as soon as I heard that, I, I wanted to ask him everything he remembers about meeting Babe Ruth because we're talking back seventy plus years ago. And I think for me, meeting someone that met my hero, Babe Ruth, my favorite player of all time, is something very special. And there's not many people surviving nowadays that have met him. I wonder what Babe Ruth would think of today's game um, that's very home run centric. What What do you think of the current state of baseball? Since you said you're a big time baseball fan, yeah. like uh, homers and strikeouts, that seems to define the sport right now. Yeah, you know, another one of my favorite players is Pete Rose. I love how Pete played the game, how he went head first into home plate and 
he would really play the great game aggressively and he would really play. But you, like you said right now, it's all strikeouts and either home runs, strikeouts. And if you're not doing either or, you're probably injured on the DL list. You know, I wish some of the technology wasn't involved, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a game and you take the good and the bad. There's still a lot, a lot of great players and still a lot of great plays. So it's, it's exciting, but also, you know, you miss how it used to be. I'm going to put you on the spot here and say, do you think a guy like Billy Bean, Bill James, may have actually, in a way, ruined the sport? Because um, we're going to talk money ball here in like a yeah. week or so, like we're going to review the film. You know, when you look at the current state, of it, it all goes back to this like saber metrics movement started by Billy Bean and the Oakland A's in yeah. the early 2000s. Yeah, you know, I think I think everyone wants to keep baseball going and keep people watching baseball. And the pitchers are throwing harder than they ever have before, consistently. And, and I think people want bigger and better. And a lot of people want, a lot of people want those home runs. A lot of people want, you know, someone to come out and throw 105, 104 miles an hour. But have they ruined it? I don't think so. I think everyone's just trying to make it more into now. But I don't think they need to necessarily, yeah, I don't think they really need to change the game that much. I think it should, should just go how it always was, America's pastime. Okay, so no like immediate fix comes to mind because for me, uh, I would say if there's one thing I would change, I would get rid of shifts. I hate the shift. I, I understand the basis behind you have a guy's uh, spray chart, so you kind of set up the filters around their certain at bats or their play style. Um, but to me, uh, having your third baseman line up in left field or right field, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a cheat and. I think that that's kind of one of the bigger reasons that we have lacked a lot of the movement on the bases and um, have gone into this point where your really only option is the only way to beat the shift is to hit it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no immediate thing really comes to mind. I think, you know, I think a lot of the technology that's in the game right now is taking from the pureness of the game. I really liked how, you know, back 100 years ago, 80 years ago, people would just throw the ball and get a strike. Now, you know, you have pitchers pitching and the coaches are going to tell them, hey, here's exactly what you're doing wrong. And if you don't know what I'm telling you, I will show you a video and we will break it down to exactly what you're doing wrong. And I, and I, I don't know, I feel like lay off the technology a little bit. Well, when you say technology, though, like what, what technology would you specifically like define as that? Because not every team is using the cameras in center field like the Houston Astros. <laughs> and a lot of the, uh, the bangs on the, um, the trash cans, right? Yeah, that's really cutting edge tech that the Astros were using there. <laughs> yeah, when I heard that, I had to look at all the footage because I, I didn't believe it at first. I, I didn't. Then when I saw it, you know, I, you know, I think there's, as I'm sure you might agree, people have been trying to steal signs forever. That's just a part of the game. And the third base coach is trying to steal a sign and trying to give the batter something like a heads up. But once you, once you put technology involved in it, that just crosses the line. Yeah. And I think everyone pretty much agreed that that's where we've reached like levels where um, it goes behind the human element there. Yeah. So I imagine too, you're not a big fan of the potential for robot umpires. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think people should just keep it organic, have humans be human, put humans in there. Because once you put those kind of robots in the, in the baseball field, who knows if in the future there's going to be robots playing, going to be hitting home runs every time they go up. I don't know. Have you seen Angel Hernandez call a game? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, when I see some of the ball strike calls, I, I mean, I, I'll admit I'm tempted, but I guess that only goes yeah. so far as is it happening to your team or is it happening for your team, right? Exactly, right, yeah. But, you know, I, but at the same time, 
if we have a clearly defined strike zone and you have the human element taking a little liberties with that, then I guess I could see the argument for robot umpires. So I'm not completely opposed to it, but I know baseball is one of the sports that um, does have a lot of traditionalists. And that's also kind of like led to a lot of pushback there. I mean, it took baseball the longest of any of the major sports to add instant replay. Yeah. Andres Galarraga. I mean, he, he definitely is a little bit salty how long it took them to get instant replay in there. You remember the almost perfect game there. Oh yeah. God, that was, that was one of the worst calls I think I've ever seen in any game. I know there was a controversial call earlier this year um, involving the Braves. Yeah, so that home right. plate. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's there is a nice balance to keeping the game going. You have to advance with the times. But I, I can understand where you would push back a little. I, I don't think we'll go as far as for yeah. cyborg players, but you never know. I mean, I never <laughs> imagined we'd be where we are today as a society either. All right, well, let's kind of like dive really into the subject that you came on here for. So like I mentioned, you know, you're looking at sports mobility. We talked about kind of like your favorite pieces. Um, yeah. What would you say is kind of like the biggest uh, draws to this industry? What what stuff that got really kind of like catches your eye and made you want to really pursue it? Well, I think the draw, not just for me, for everyone, is we spend so much time watching these players on TV you know, some of us are watching every game and we kind of want a piece of that for our own home and we want to kind of take a piece of that with us. So that's why I think the memorabilia is is such a great thing to have. I mean, even though, you know, someone like Derek Jeter signs, you know, thousands and thousands of balls, just having one ball signed by him is something really special. It's still, he had to take a moment out of his time to sign that ball for you. And I think just people want want something from their favorite players, something from their favorite team. It could be like a, a football jersey, it could be a, a Jim Rice jersey, it could be a Jim Brown jersey, it could be a Tiger Woods club, it could be anything. People just want people just want something they can connect to. And that's what I really, really love about memorabilia is having a piece that you can be proud of and you can share with your family and share with your friends. How how much memorabilia do you yourself own? Oh, wow. Well, well, you know, with my memorabilia, I like to do projects for myself. I like to say, okay, I want to do this. And then I don't stop until I finish that project. One of the projects I was working on is I said, you know what? I want to get a baseball from every major league team. I want to get a Nationals ball. I want to get a Yankees ball. I want to get a Mets ball. I want to get it all. And now since everyone was in quarantine, we can we have access to the internet now more than ever because we're all on the internet because of quarantine. And so I was able to get every ball. Yeah, those are the things I collect. I love baseballs, football autographs, hockey stuff. Do you have your own little man cave, basically? Yeah, I do. I have a little museum right now. Yeah, I have a, I have a 2019 base from the Mets, which is, you know, Pete Alonso's rookie year. Hmm. Okay, what made you want to pursue that one? Because, yes, Pete Alonso's rookie year, but not exactly a glowing year for the Mets organization. No, you know, I love when you can look at players and say, you know, that guy is special. That guy is something. And I think when I first saw Pete Alonso and how he played the game, it reminded me of the hustle that the players have. It reminded me of the passion that he had. A lot of the stuff he had reminded me of how they used to play the game. You know, I love Jacob deGrom. He, you, you really don't see him injured all that much. I mean, he's injured, but you don't see him injured like every day. You know, he's one of those people that really go out there and play every day. So I take it you're a Mets fan. You Believe it or not, I'm an everything fan. Um, everything fan. Mm. I mean, everything. Fan. I like. Okay. I like every team. Yeah. 
I buy that. I buy that, Gary. Sure. I, I don't know. As a pure sports monogamous here, everyone fan? Come on. Is there ever such yeah, a thing? Yeah. You know, you know, someone asked me that and I said, you know, there's, there's a lot of talent out there on every team. You see Mike Trout, who's just beast right now. He is killing it. And, you know, Garrett Crochet, who made his first appearance last year at the White, with the White Sox and those 101, you know, quite a number of pitches, you know. There's a lot of talent on a lot of teams. Okay, so you show more loyalty to players than the laundry they're wearing. Yeah, pretty much. I I love talented players, and I love people that really play the game. I love people that go out there every day and, and kind of play and love what they do. So, yeah, I think there's talent on all the teams. I don't necessarily subscribe to one team, although I do. I'm, I am in New York right now, so I so New York and Yankees is, you know, hop, skip, and a jump right now. I imagine you probably, yeah, you probably grew up as a Mets or Yankees fan, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I remember going into Manhattan when the Yankees won the World Series in 2000 and when they had the giant parade. And I'm telling you, man, I've never seen that many people in the city before in my life. I've never seen that many people in Manhattan. And as soon as we went there, we, we woke up like at six or seven o'clock in the morning just to get this parade. And as soon as we got there, they had closed the entrance to the parade because there were just too many people. Now, explain to me kind of like that breakdown, that, that split there. Give a rough percentage of how many Mets fans you think there are compared to Yankees fans in the New York area code. Wow. You know, I see a lot of people wearing the Yankees hat. They just like the yoga, the, the logo, and they have no idea what, what's going on with the Yankees. But, you know, I think a lot of Yankees fans are Mets fans as well. But purists as opposed to just Yankees fans, oh, I'm sure there's tons. I'm sure there's tons. I'm sure. Oh, wow. I'm sure there's at least a few hundred thousand just with Yankees and uh, and a little probably less with the Mets. I feel like more people like the Yankees than the Mets. Yeah, I mean, it's an uphill battle if you're a Mets fan because yeah. you're going against the Yankees, 27 rings, yeah. um, that every Yankees fan will make sure to let you know that they have 27 rings in their cabinet. A lot of the Yankees people are, are Hall of Famers, and yet only a few Mets players really are Hall of Famers. But the Mets are on the come up, though. You know, they yeah. have a lot of core pieces this year, aside from their GM getting fired for uh, some inauspicious activity. Yeah. But they they've done a good job in building that roster out. Uh, they have some great young they have some great young pitching. Um, the Francisco Lindor trade um, so far has been a little bit of a mixed bag. What do you think of uh, how Lindor's done in New York? You know, I was able to see him play a few times so far during the season. I think he's a great player. You know, the the trade I'm sure was was you know what it is. It's it's just the business of the game. But I think the trade is like I said, just the business of the game. I think Lindor is going to come out and be a good player. But for a 13-year contract, what, what do you think about these 13-year deals, these 10-year deals? Uh, we Obviously, we just saw Albert Pujols released in the final year. of. His yeah, contract. that's right. I saw that. I don't think he should have been released. I think he's an excellent player. You see every once in a while, these people like Bryce Harper and other players like that that get an extension on their contract for an exorbitant amount of money. I mean, we see it a lot, 200-something million dollar contract. You know, if they really want to keep him from 10 years and the guy really wants to be like a Yankee for 10 years, I don't see, I don't see if there's anything wrong with it. But there should be there should be the opportunity for them to say, no, I don't want to play anymore. Yeah, but like if you're the Angels, you're talking about a guy who's looked like he was shot a couple of years ago. <laughs> so I completely understand their reasoning. The guy was batting 198 this season. Yeah. Can you really afford to keep a guy who's batting less than 200 in your starting lineup? I mean, no, but someone like that, who's, who, as you look at his career, he's had a really great career, a great long career so far, but I think he, he could have been just in a long slump. I mean, he could have had spent some time with a heading coach and kind of got back up, but I guess they don't want to take any chances. They want, they want a world series ring. Yeah. I mean, well, Hey, 
as the Slump Buster podcast, we understand slumps and we understand that sometimes you have to be able to bust them. But overall, Albert Pujols, uh, finally stages his contract, he, he's looked bad and he's looked bad for a while. And I think if you're the Angels, you have such an exciting team right now with Shohei Atani killing it, oh, Mike yeah. Trout killing it, oh, the best yeah. player in the game, that you want to make it to the playoffs. It is a crying shame that Mike Trout has only been in three playoff games in his career. And I think Albert Pujols being a little bit of an albatross has been a big part of that. I mean, Albert, look, he's he was a part of the Cardinals, then a part of the Angels. He's had a, he's had what, a 20-year career? And if you look at his stats, his highlights, I mean, just amazing. I mean, I, I understand that they had to pretty much end it and said, you know, thank you, bye-bye. But, you know, I think, you know, between us, I think Pujols um, is a great player. If he wants to play longer, I mean, he certainly can. If he wants to, he can. I'm sure somebody is going to offer him something. Well, I, I think now he's he could fit into that role of a bench player um, that people could maybe bring up for pinch hit opportunities, but nothing more because it's not even you know, like he's a great fielder anymore. The Angels weren't getting 2010 Albert Pujols. They were getting 2021 Albert Pujols. And those players are two very different players at their point in their careers. If Albert Pujols aged like Tom Brady, that'd be one thing. But unfortunately, yeah. uh, he's aged like milk at this point. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, you know, if I, if I was, if honestly, if I was him, I would just think about coaching right now. I mean, 20 year career, I mean, 667 home runs over 3000 hits. I, if I was him, I'd consider coaching. I mean, he's had a great career. I mean, it's a shame that he won't, it doesn't seem likely that he would cross the 700 mark. That would be a huge milestone, obviously, for any hitter. Yes. Um, and certainly too, like, um, let's see, as he climbs up that list, Cross A-Rod, um, Babe Ruth sitting there at 714. Uh, of course, when you look at how his he's currently batting, there's no way in hell he would be able to catch Barry or Hank. You know, I, I think that when you consider, what, about 30 home runs away? Yeah. Uh, let's see his home run pace the last couple of years. Just do some quick show research here. See, like the last couple of years, he's barely been in the low 20s. So even if you look at his pace, it wouldn't be something that he'd be likely to accomplish this year unless he just had like an absolute renaissance, just 10 home runs in July, another 10 in August. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be able to cross that 700 mark. You know, never say never. I will say never. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to say never on this one, Gary. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I always look back, though. It was crazy whenever uh, A-Rod was not able to pass that 700 mark. Um, right, that's right. Because he was like in the 690s, I believe, at that point when the Yankees decided to release him and then no team just offered to pick him up. Uh, I think just obviously the headache um, of potentially A-Rod being in your locker room overwhelmed people at that point. But yeah, I mean, look, A-Rod was a great player. He had four home runs away from 700 home runs. But, you know, all these home runs and all these people like A-Rod did steroids. So if he, he didn't, if he didn't do like performance enhancing drugs, could he have gotten his whole 696 home runs i don't know let me ask your opinion do you think that steroid guys deserve to be in the hall of fame oh my oh my um you know i think about this a lot as the guy who's interested in sports history i think that this is a big defining piece of especially baseball history yeah yeah you know what is everyone in the hall of fame right now clean probably not I know someone, I forgot his name, but there was a baseball player in the late 1800s, early 1900s that did a testosterone, not steroids, but did testosterone and Babe Ruth tried it. And um, I'm sure other players tried it as well. 
I mean, you look at Jeff Bagwell and Ivan Rodriguez, both, you know, Jose Canseco said both of them did performance enhancing drugs and they were in the Hall of Fame. So if you're going to include those, then you've got to include the others as well. And I think it goes back to what we were saying as far as players always looking for that advantage, whether that be in sign stealing or in performance enhancing drugs. Uh, It's just as long as there's going to be a game, there's going to be guys looking for ways to get ahead of the rules of the game. Look at what's going on with Belichick. Yes, people will like hammer on him for uh, certain activities like spy gate, deflate gate, et cetera, et cetera. But when you look at like a simple rule, like the uh, causing the offsides penalty that Vrabel used against him a couple of years ago, he saw a hole in the rule and he exploited it. Um, that's kind of how baseball players have been wired as well um, to see the, any opportunities. You talk about those guys in the sixties, seventies as well with like um, amphetamine usage. Yeah. Um, that's another thing that kind of aided in perhaps increasing guys games, performance enhancing drugs at that time. And even more so there wasn't an explicit ban on performance enhancing drugs like steroids when those guys did it. It wasn't until the media really started to hammer on uh, baseball that baseball started taking action because baseball was enjoying their time in the late nineties, the early 2000s. Oh yeah. That was watch Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire hit home runs. Everyone was excited for those. It was huge. And that's why I always kind of find it a little hypocritical for like guys in the media who come out there and say, these guys don't deserve to be in the hall of fame given that they were also writing articles daily when these guys were at their peak of their powers. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, having said all this, I really do think Pete, Pete Rose deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Agreed. I, I agreed. Most hits out of everyone. He did He did his betting when he was a manager, and that shouldn't affect what he did as a player. Yeah. What I, he did on the field was unbelievable. There's no one like him, and there's never going to be another 4,000 hit king. He's going to die the hit king. Hopefully, one day they will allow him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. It looks like baseball is right now at this crossroads where potentially you're talking about your all-time hit leader and your all-time home run leader not being in your Hall of Fame. How does that yeah. work? Make that make sense. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, I hopefully I pray that P. Rose gets in. Um, I think he's more than, like we said, he's more than qualified. But also, if you look at the Hall of Fame right now, the Hall of Fame has been turning into the Hall of Very Good. There's a lot of players that are in the Hall of Fame that are extremely good players, but are their numbers Hall of Fame worthy? Not exactly. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, so a couple of years ago, there was a little bit of a controversy because Derek Jeter uh, missed the right. perfect Hall of Fame vote by one person. I know. What, what is your opinion of that one person who said, you know what, Derek Jeter, Hall of Fame? Nah, the first ballot? Come on. How could you say no to Jeter? I mean, when I was growing up, Jeter was the guy. I mean, everyone had a Jeter t-shirt. Everyone loved Derek Jeter. Even if you didn't watch baseball, you loved Derek Jeter. I mean, he had a phenomenal career. And I think the one person that said no probably did on purpose. They said, I don't want him to get another 100%. And that's what they did. So we got 99.75% of the votes. Yeah, that one seemed a little bit petty. Seemed a little bit spiteful in that way to say, ah, you know, like I, I don't think the Yankees deserve another unanimous Hall of Famer after Mariano Rivera got in there on a unanimous vote. But, you know, it's it's so silly because – even aside from the statistics and Derek Jeter's statistics weren't going to change um, after his retirement. You just look, like you mentioned, he was the face of baseball. He was the guy, he was the poster child that baseball put out there daily. 
five rings, 3,000 hits. Um, I know you, you could say he never won an MVP, and that was one of those things that lingers on him. So was he ever the best player in the league at any given time? No, but he was the captain. Number yeah. two, Derek Jeter. Yeah, he was definitely, like I said, when I was growing up, he was the player. And then if you look at his stats now, if you look at his, his hits, his home runs, he was an extraordinarily good player, a gentleman on and off the field, always signed autograph for kids, always was oriented with speaking with his team and, and said he was a team player. And he was one of those players that it wasn't all about him. It was about the team. It wasn't about Jeter. It was about the Yankees. It's funny, too, now that he's a partial owner of the uh, Miami Marlins, uh, a lot of people have wanted to change his legacy there, too. Because, But come on. How, how you can't hold the guy responsible on his playing career for how bad of an owner he's become. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I'm sure he'll go down in history as the world's as one of the world's. I think, in my opinion, the best shortstop in the last 20 years for sure. Yeah, that, well, that would be kind of the tough thing to say. So, best shortstops in history versus best shortstop in the last 20 years. Uh, yeah, I mean, at one point, if you really want to get down into it. At what point do we separate A-Rod from being a shortstop? Because you would say yeah. best shortstop in history, A-Rod, um, if you look at just the pure numbers there with the home runs added in there, that would be a very compelling debate there. Um, certainly a lot of other talented shortstops over the years as well. Honus um, Wagner, I mean, Ozzie Smith, Ernie Banks, Cal Ripken Jr. I mean, there's a lot of great talent, but definitely to find to define the 2000s as a shortstop had to have been Jeter. Yeah, I think, yeah, that, it's just if you were to make an all-time lineup, yeah, that's the thing is, Jarek Jeter, would he be the all-time shortstop? Probably not, but uh, definitely in the last 20 years, like I, I can't think of a better candidate to fit that mold. Yeah. Uh, but then again, some of these new kids coming out are just electric as well. Um, if they can maintain their batting average, maybe they can be in that Jarek Jeter tier. Yeah, I mean, I pray Aaron Judge... Uh, gets healthy and stays healthy you know we'll see did Aaron Judge uh, officially get his tooth gap fixed because yeah uh, yeah I saw that recently he got it fixed and he looked believe it or not he looks different for some reason well I would anticipate so like yeah. uh, it's became somewhat a conic thing for him in the same way Michael Strahan what is that with talented New York athletes and having to have some sort of dental abnormality you know when I started seeing the Aaron Judge merchandise everything had the tooth gap the plushie had the tooth gap, the photos, everything, the, the little Pez dispensers, everything had the tooth gap. But now he, he got it fixed, and I'm sure he has more confidence than ever, so good on him. Yeah, to be a talented young baseball player in your 20s with millions of dollars in your back pocket, be what, six foot six like Aaron Judge is, built like an absolute tank, and now have perfect teeth? Yeah, yeah, I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. <laughs> <laughs> the cover of Sports Illustrated, the cover of uh, the, the Major League Baseball video game, the endorsements he has, I'm sure he's very happy. And I think that, that that's kind of the power of being a New York Yankee, too, to kind of add more fuel to the fire as far as if you're the face of the New York Yankees, it's very easy for you to be the face of baseball, I would say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Yankees are so they're so loved by all people from all over the world. Everyone knows the Yankees. You know, even though I we mentioned his name earlier, Mike Trout, to be the best player in baseball. Talk about that last 20 years. I would say Mike Trout might be, I don't know. I guess you got back end Barry Bonds in there. Yeah. Too. But, you know, Mike Trout certainly putting himself into that tier when you just look at the five-tool player aspect. But he's never been the face of baseball because, you know, obviously the playoff success isn't there. 
Uh, the even just playing in playoff games isn't there. And overall, he's just not a very vocal guy. He never puts himself out there as the face of baseball. Um, so I, I think that that's also been like one of the things that baseball's missed, like someone to really rally behind. It could have been Bryce Harper, but Bryce Harper's yeah. like image has kind of went to hell a little bit too the last couple of years. Well, Julian, I have a question for you as well. Go for it. The players that we look at now, give me the top five players that you think are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Okay. Well, um, obviously, we'll start it off with Trout. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's no question. Current players uh, going down the list, uh, you would say Clayton Kershaw is going to be in there. Yeah. I would also yeah. put um, Max Scherzer. Yeah. So most of my guys are going to be kind of old guys. But they're, you know, they're definitely Hall of Famers. Max Scherzer is going to be in there. Uh, Justin Verlander is going to be in there. Uh, so I'll, that's four. Uh, let me see about my fifth guy. I could be biased. Uh, yeah, I could, I could be biased and say Buster Posey. Uh, Buster <laughs> Posey might be a fringe candidate just because he's missed a year. He's looking like he might get his second comeback player of the year trophy here soon, but he's been one of the best catchers recently. Oh, there's the easy one. Yadier Molina. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, that's, that's definitely five. But um, yeah, those are all older guys. When I look at younger guys who have displayed Hall of Fame talent, I like this Ronald Acuna kid. I think that yeah. he definitely has an opportunity to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Cody Bellinger, if he can stay healthy, is definitely yeah, that level right. of athlete as well. Like you mentioned, uh, like DeGrom's kind of fringe. Is he an old guy? Is he a young guy? He's kind of in that middle, um, I would say. Um, I think he's 32, but I'm telling you, when DeGrom is on the mound, it's pretty much lights out. Yeah, if Pete Alonso keeps up this home run pace, he's showing that he could be in that that level as well. Let me see. Who, who else out of these young guys do I like that has shown Hall of Fame ability? Bryce Harper? Bryce Harper. You know, I would say Bryce Harper will be one of those guys that if he continues on this pace, right? So his numbers have kind of been – he's been kind of going a little bit downhill. I'm not going to lie. Certainly he hasn't lived up to the expectations that his contract have put towards him. And he hasn't lived up to his performance even just a couple of years ago. So I would say as long as barring out injury, he's going to finish somewhere with maybe over 400, 500 home runs. And that alone is going to put him in the Hall of Fame. So I would say, yes, Bryce Harper is probably going to get into the Hall of Fame uh, at some point. But um, it's going to be a little bit of fight. He just has to maintain what he's doing at bare minimum. He can't fall off the cliff. You know, I think a lot of your candidates I would choose. You know, Mike Trout, that's – of course he's going to get in. I mean, look at his numbers. Look at his legacy right now, and he's only Multiple 10 years MVPs. in. Oh, my God. All-star, RBI leader, 30 for 30 club, all-star, and everything. Silver Slug Awards, eight Silver Slug Awards. I mean – Ooh, Shohei Otani if he keeps up what he's doing too. The story, I, I think you always get an edge too if you're an international player and you have a huge success story like Shohei has. Yeah, and I love Shohei. I love when he pitches and hits. I think one of the players that can do that really successfully, and he throws like 90 and he hits bombs. I mean, he's someone that I could see in the Hall of Fame as well one day. The story, the story alone. We haven't had someone do what he's doing since, honestly, Babe Ruth. Someone who is an electric lights-out pitcher and, like you said, just hits absolute moonshots. Seeing a Shohei Otani home run is a ton of fun. I mean, the last one, yeah. When you see him in home runs, it's electrifying. I mean, you feel through the screen that you're watching. I mean, he's a tremendous talent. And stuff like that. Like Mariana Rivero came came to this country not speaking English. She came from Panama and 100% Hall of Fame. I mean, no one had a chance of hitting off of Mariana. Yeah, and off of just one pitch, Mariano's cutter, man. His cutter, yeah. 
there's been so many like closers that have tried to replicate that cutter, but to see the, the amount of broken bats, didn't someone make him like a chair out of all the broken bats that he made? I wonder what the memorabilia value of that was. Oh, I'm sure it's up there. But like you said, I mean, he comes out, lights out. People try for 17 years to hit his pitch, to hit his cutter, and they couldn't. They just couldn't do it. Let's take a look here. Let's see uh, exactly what happened. Okay, so it was the twins that honored Mo with the broken bat rocking chair. I wonder <laughs> if it fantastic. ever got sold. I think he probably actually still has it because I don't see a, an appraisal on it. If you were him, wouldn't you, wouldn't you keep that too? Yeah, but we always see so many players like uh, – auction stuff like that off especially when you're on a hall of fame tour like mariano was uh you know you just get so much stuff because literally every team in the league is honoring you yeah um it's kind of daunting too whenever you see a player announce this is my final year and you just see them making that home run that making that final tour uh like sim- yeah. similar to mo obviously everyone was doing it with jeter too because then that just goes back to both those guys legacies in baseball uh that they commanded that much respect if albert pulos um had been able to stick in there a little bit longer to he might have had like a similar farewell tour as well yeah do you think he's gonna go in the hall of fame oh absolutely uh he yeah. even though he came up during that uh steroid era he was never popped on steroids so that already no. adds to his legacy um as we mentioned he's top I can't remember top five or top six in home runs all time. So that alone uh, puts him in the hall of fame. Yeah. And 3000 hits. Uh, we haven't seen the yeah. 3000 hit guy in a while, or we don't know who the next 3000 hit guy is at the moment. That's kind of like uh, one of those things like, will there ever be a 300 game winner again? Will there ever be another 3000 hit guy? That is um, some of those stats that like you look at and you're like, man, I, hopefully those don't become things of the past. Yeah. I hope. Um, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that I don't, I don't think anyone's going to break Pete Rose's 4,000 hits. No, that's not happening because the guys don't make contact enough in today's game. Right. Because the pitches are just too fast. I mean, 85 miles an hour, uh, I, you know, we're used to 85, 80, 85. Now they're all thrown in the 90, 92, 93 consistently. We've seen a lot of guys uh, have hot starts and get close to hitting in the high 400s. Um, but even that, like 400, uh, 400 batting average, I think that's a thing of the past that will never be achieved again. Uh, do you think there will ever be a 300-game winner again? I don't think so. Because I think as time goes by, more and more pressure gets on these players of staying healthy and doing this and doing this and doing this. And I, I just don't think a lot, of these, a lot of these records, I think, are unbreakable. Yeah, and it's this point, I think, too, what adds to that, obviously, is um, the baseball analytics uh, say that, hey, a guy can only really go through a rotation or go through a starting lineup two times, and on the third time, the batting average goes up. Uh, so you have situations like last year's World Series where Blake Snell gets pulled, even though he's absolutely dominating the Dodgers lineup. What did you think of that call? I thought it was ridiculous. He's one of the best Dodgers players. and one of the also best race players <laughs> at oh, the time. Yeah, one of well, yeah, I, I mean, look, I don't see why these people pull really great players out. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's stupid. I keep having people play. If you have a great player, I don't see the point in not having him play. Uh, Colin Coward has a great term for this. Uh, the difference between analytics and manalytics. I think in that moment, that's when you lean towards the man. You lean towards the guy. You look him in the eye and it's like, this guy is killing it out there. Like no one was touching his stuff that entire night. Uh, maybe he, he allowed one base runner and that's when Kevin Cash decided to pull the plug. But I think you leave your stud in there. You leave your guy who's a Cy Young candidate in there in that moment, especially when you're in a win now game. 
it's do or die. I mean, as you know, these pitchers are pitching so fast and it's so hard for a pitcher not to make an error, not to make a mistake. And they have to be on top of their game every single time. And for some player to do that, it's extremely difficult. You know, just revisionist history, I would say Kevin Cash in that moment, you never know if you're going to be back there as the Rays organization. So you have an opportunity to win the World Series. You you do everything you can in that moment. But at the same time, I will counterbalance it and say, you realize we've had four no hitters this season? Four. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. This is the earliest in baseball history that we've achieved that level. Why do you think might be contributing to the early surge of no hitters we've seen? Oh, just phenomenal pitchers. Just fantastic players on the mound. These players are unbelievable, and they're pitching, and they're pitching well, and they're throwing no hitters. But like like we said at the same time, I mean, they're pitching faster and faster and faster. So I think with time, these pitchers are going to throw even faster maybe one day. They're maybe 105 miles an hour each time. And it's really hard for somebody to hit a ball going at you 100 miles an hour. So I think that definitely contributes to it. Well, kudos to the managers in those situations for not pulling their guy, uh, all yeah. Kevin Cash, because I, I do think that that is a historic moment. But at the same time, do you think that that devalues a no hitter? You know, ooh, um, you know, I, I understand like Kevin Cash, like these managers have to do what they think is the best for their team at the time and what's best to win. But sometimes I think they might be wrong. I think you know? a lot of times they're probably wrong. Yeah. You know, I I don't know how many how many more no hitters we're gonna see, but it's but seeing some of these is like like as you know, it's really exciting. It is like, have you watched a no hitter start to finish? Have uh, I? Yeah. Like oh live? yeah. Oh yeah. Live. Um, no, not TV, live in yeah. attendance, but at least live on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Watching from first pitch all the way to the end, you're just at the edge of your seat. Oh yeah. You're you have that like ball in your throat you know like when you're about to cry almost you get that lump in your throat that's kind of like how you feel like whenever we're watching one I, I remember as a Giants fan watching Jonathan Sanchez in 2009 throw a no hitter and it's funny because and my dad I know he's usually listens and whatnot so he's gonna give me hell on this one but uh hi Julian's he, dad <laughs> he says uh that he had called that Jonathan Sanchez was gonna throw that no hitter that night and sure enough it happened. <laughs> I oh mean, he, he just had all the right pieces working that night. His slider was working, his fastball, no one could touch it. It's amazing to be there whenever like everything's working just right. And it helps whenever you're facing the Padres. That was in 2009, correct? 2009, 2009 yeah. Padres, yeah. which uh, is very different from the 2021 Padres. Let me talk to you about the NL West a little bit since we're really just on a baseball discussion at this yeah. point. Uh, who do you think is going to come out on top in the NL West? Because surprisingly, my Giants are on top of the NL West standings with the Padres and Dodgers trailing. But everyone's been talking Dodgers and Padres mostly. How do you think this division is going to shake out? Oh, wow. Um, if I had a magic eight ball or if, if I had a psychic, I can I could tell you. But I, you know, I have no idea because... Like you said, the the Rockies have some good talent. I was just watching I don't know the, about Diamond- the Rockies. <laughs> I was just watching the Diamondbacks. Uh, I saw the Diamondbacks last night versus the Mets. I mean, even though the best one, the Diamondbacks have talent. I mean, there's a lot of talented people in a lot of these different places. I mean, Will Smith with the Dodgers, I I really enjoy watching. So you know, we never know. You never know. It ain't over till it's over. Yeah, I mean, it's a long season, 162 games um, for sure, and. 
I'm, I'm glad that we have a full season again. I, I guess I'm yes. in this respect more of a baseball purist. I, I like the feel of a 162 game season, but at the same time, uh, there's a lot of uh, movement towards shortening the season. What do you say to those people? No, <laughs> just very simply. No last year was 60 games world series but to me the world series i feel like i I don't know if i was one of the players i would say could i get at least half a ring because they really didn't play a full season hey i'm all with you gary discrediting the dodgers that is what i like to do for a living (laughs) so let's go ahead let's go all in on that clayton kershaw you get half a ring you know i i love the dodgers I, i i enjoy watching them i went to california a few years ago and saw them live and saw will smith's rookie year but i mean if i was the dodgers i mean i would just feel kind of like all these players are playing 160 games then winning the world series i don't know how i would feel after 60 games just getting a ring Well, you know, I I think if you're the Dodgers players, though, and given that they've have been on the precipice of a like World Series title for so long anyway, they were the uh, preemptive favorite going into the year in 2020, regardless of COVID-19 or players opting out, the Dodgers were going the favorites going into the year. Um, And they're the favorites going into this year, too. Uh, So I, I think as much as I would love to say, let's put an asterisk mark on them. There's no way you could look at the Dodgers roster, their rotation, and not say that they were the best team in baseball last year. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now they did need the Braves to choke as uh, Georgia based franchises are one to do three, one lead, man. I, I, I couldn't, couldn't believe that when that happened, especially because the Braves have such a great little lineup themselves between Freeman, Acuna, uh, some of the other kids they're bringing up, Dansby Swanson. So I was disappointed when the Braves blew that one. But um, were you, know, you surprised? I, I can't say I was surprised because <laughs> at, at a certain point when they had that 3-1 lead, you started seeing the memes come out. The memes yeah, started sure. slowly trickling out. They're like, wow, Atlanta team up 3-1. It's kind of like they're up 28-3. to Hmm. And sure enough, <laughs> Same goes, how too, they even did with the Georgia Bulldogs. Man, that's rough if you live in that area code, right? What do you think? This year, Dodgers World Series? See, when you just look at, and I guess to you, this would kind of lead into the original question of the NL West. I, I, I said yes at the start of the year. And I guess I'd have to stick with it because, I mean, this team just goes out there and they add a Cy Young award winner to their rotation in Trevor Bauer. They have... Guys like Corey Seager and Bellinger, they re-signed Justin Turner. And every time you look, they bring up a new player from their minors, they're from their farm system that's able to contribute right away. Where, where do they keep finding these guys? Their scouting department has to be among the best, or if not, is the best in baseball. Because I look at what they've been able to do with their farm system and I'm like, man, why, why aren't the Giants doing this? Why aren't other teams able to scout at this level? Because even their middling prospects are stars on other teams. You know, Cody Bellinger has been playing for, I think, four years. I think he started in 2017. And he's already has awards. I mean, Rookie of the Year, I remember, MVP, World Series. I think he hit for the cycle as well during his rookie season, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. The, guy, the guy's an absolute stud. The problem for him now is he just has to stay healthy. Yeah, and he's young. He's only 25, and he's four years in the majors in a World Series ring. And it only helps for the Dodgers that they are bringing up their own guys. So whenever a star player becomes available like a Mookie Betts, they can spend the money. They have enough trade assets to go ahead and get them. 
and it's no big imposition. So they're adding to their arsenal by gaining MVPs and Cy Young Award winners from other teams while also maintaining their guys. Honestly, a ridiculous um, rich get richer situation with the Dodgers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's a tough cycle. And then you look at what the Padres are trying to do. The Padres are really just trying to outspend them to try and uh, get into that level as well. And hey, San Diego, California, it's a beautiful place. So certainly it is a good free agent destination. But I think the Dod- the Padres still just feel like little brother to me. It's even, to, even to the Giants, the Padres still feel like little brother. The weather is wonderful there. And I'm sure they're playing in nice weather. And I'm sure they're all happy. Yeah, I mean, Fernando Tatis, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he does the rest of the year. I know he's battling a little bit of an oblique strain. Um, and those have a horrible tendency to linger on players, especially like um, ruining power production. And that's part of the draw with a guy like Fernando Tatis. Yeah, Tatis is a great player. And I wonder if it's going to stop the production of his great at-bats. Certainly, I hope it doesn't hinder his bat flips, his antics. I mean, that, that's really, I think, what's separating baseball now and baseball starting to become. You know what? I will say this. I think the NBA's popularity has been hurt uh, deeply in the last couple of years. If you told me baseball had an opportunity to jump the NBA again, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. I, I'm going to put that narrative out there. I agree with you. And I also love seeing Bryce Harper angry as well. That's one of my favorite things in baseball. Yeah, you just need those vocal leaders of the sport. Um, I actually just bought MLB The Show. So I haven't had a good baseball video game in, I want to say, like eight years because I'm, I've always been an Xbox guy, right? Right, of course. And Xbox, they had the 2K contract. And then 2K at a certain point just started updating the rosters and not doing much else for the video games. So the MLBPA decided to pull their rights from there. So Xbox just didn't have a game. Now, the show is a, officially a cross-platform game. So, hey, Xbox owners, congrats. You own the show again. So I just bought the show like a couple days ago. I haven't played it yet, but Fernando Tatis on the cover. I think that that's like a new day, a new age in baseball to see a rising young star uh, on video game covers, in commercials, uh, just being a vocal leader of the sport. Yeah, as we've been discussing, there's so many great new players that are coming into the game and making it really, really exciting. I'm, I'm excited uh, to continue to see where these guys' careers go. And hopefully, again, they keep adding to the story of baseball. You know, keep making baseball that novel that keeps on writing. Baseball, America's pastime. Homage to the James Earl Jones speech from Phil to Dreams, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, I wish I had that quote just standing in front of me right now, just so I could just kind of like read it off on the podcast. Uh, So I guess actually that kind of leads into a close here, Gary. So I know we didn't really get to talk much memorabilia, but that's okay because I kind of told you we were just going to talk, let it be organic and see where we went. And I think honestly, this is probably one of the better baseball podcasts that we've done uh, overall. So I really want to thank you for coming on and being able to talk baseball with me because not a lot of people can keep up with this sport, to be honest. (laughs) And I, I need to ask you before we sign off, what do you think about Jason Dominguez? Jason Dominguez. Um, I got to actually say, like, I'm, I'm unfamiliar. Uh, background here. Okay. So he is, he is 18 years old. The Yankees have been looking at him since he is 16. His skills are so good that they have nicknamed him the Martian. They're comparing him to Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle. Is he a switch hitter as well? Yeah, he is. Okay. That's all. I already like the sounds of that. This guy is humongous. He's strong as anything. His rookie card online is going for thousands and thousands of dollars. 
this guy is is going to be something really special. The Yankees right now have been saying, you know, let's let's start the minors, let's get him through, let's put him on the lineup for the Yankees. Okay, that actually does make me want to raise even more questions here too. So that first off, that's awesome to hear that we have a talented young switch hitter coming into the yeah. majors here soon. Because uh, unfortunately, a lot of switch hitters kind of get discouraged from being a switch hitter early on in today's game. Like I said, um, a lot of front offices are very focused on the numbers and don't really look at the player as often. So if they see that you have an obvious advantage to either one side of the plate, they'll tell you just bat righty or just bat lefty. And I think that's why like a lot of switch hitters have kind of went the way of the dinosaur. So that's awesome to hear that we have electric young batter like Jason Domingo is coming out. And I'm going to keep an eye out to see how that that plays out over the next couple of years. But actually, too, like going back into like talking Pawn Stars, talking like uh, memorabilia, so tell me about the rise of baseball cards too, because I have seen a ton of baseball card podcasts. I've seen a lot of people talking about baseball cards recently and Hey, I have some boxes at home, but I don't think any of them are worth much money, but uh, I think the pandemic made everyone want to focus back in on that subject. Well, you never know what they're worth. I mean, you could have something that could be worth hundreds of dollars. You could have something to be worth thousands of dollars. And I think, yeah, the card industry right now is booming because, you know, like, like, you know, everyone's at home. And a lot of these people that go out a lot, they said, well, now we have more disposable income. I want that. Bar- I wanted that Barry Bonds card when I was eight years old. I couldn't, I can't afford it back then. Let's see if I can get it now. And so everyone's been going to the card market and trying to see if they can invest in cars. And, and just, it's, it's been crazy to see some of these cards go for millions and millions of dollars. What, what's the best value you have on a card? Oh, wow. Um, well, I think my favorite baseball card is I have a card signed by Jacob deGrom. And to me, anything signed by Jacob deGrom is a winner. You know, the funny part about that is I hear sometimes that actually having memorabilia signed sometimes devalues items. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Um, there are also some athletes that won't sign their rookie card. They say, you know, our, my rookie card is really, really priced at this and really at a great price and I don't want to damage it at all and like you said there's some there's some purists that just want the card they don't want anything on it they don't want anything touching it they just want the card they don't care if it's Michael Jordan they don't care if it's Tiger Woods they don't care they they don't they just want the perfect card that actually Um, blows my mind because just the interaction of that player actually signing that card you would think would make that card's value infinitely more like let's say Barry Bond signed his 756 home run ball uh, I would think that that would make that ball that much more valuable, but I've heard that it would actually hurt the value of that. Um, I just want to throw that. I actually just pulled up that number of that as well. 752,000 is what that sold for uh, just in the last couple of years. So, you know, you know, I definitely think um, some memorabilia, I think it's okay for some people and some memorabilia, some purists just want, just want it to be perfect. I mean, if someone said, would you rather have a, a Babe Ruth jersey or a Babe Ruth signed jersey that he wore? I, I'd want this. I'd probably want the signed one as well. Well, one conversation that always stood out to me um, that I've had in the past, and I think what kind of drew me to uh, having you on the show was I actually once was just sitting in the bar wearing my Giants cap and a guy who was in the sports memorabilia profession as well came up and was like, hey, you're a Giants fan. Let me buy you guys a round of drinks like me and my buddies. And we were just got into this huge discussion about like signatures and some of the memorabilia he owned. And it was interesting to hear certain facts like um, a Muhammad Ali signature 
one of his prized possessions was a Muhammad Ali signature from the 80s. And to hear that his value of his signature in the 80s was so much more than when he was uh, still alive in the 2000s, because by that point, Parkinson's had kicked in and his signature had uh, lessened to half of what it was. He used to have this long, elegant signature. And with Parkinson's, it was half of that. So that certain discussions, hearing like stuff like that always kind of makes it an interesting subject, like how we attribute value to items. Yeah. And, and I think it all comes back to, it's a memory. I mean, having a, a Brett Favre signed jersey up on your mantle and in your man cave, you know, you look at it and you say, I remember when I was a little boy watching that and now I have a memory of it. And people just want a piece of these players. And they're willing to shell up big time money to get it, but... Like the Lord of the Rings, we have multiple endings on this show here. So multiple fake endings, but it's okay because Gary, I got to ask you before we close on the show. So it's always a tradition that we ask all our guests here and we kind of talked about fill the dreams potentially, but so not pressuring you to making this the answer, but uh, what would you say is your favorite all-time sports movie? Oh, wow. Rudy is up there. The Sandlot is up there. I just watched the one with Thomas Jane and about Roger Maris and his home run. Oh, 61. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just watched that. That was an excellent movie. Yeah. It's kind of shame. Roger Maris really only had that one year though. And we've talked about guys who are, are they hall of famers? Uh... He should be in the hall of fame. You think he should be in the hall of fame? Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, you're really just equating that one fantastic year. Do you think that that is enough to, overwhelmed the rest of his playing career well no but i think that year definitely should be enshrined in cooperstown so that kids can come up and see what he's sure it is right pretty sure it is in some form or fashion probably uh probably um i haven't been to the hall of fame in a while but uh, you know i i do think there should be a wing that is attributed to just stories and stories about how athletes overcame things and and different stories and whatnot not not necessarily be hall of famers but just their stories are hall of fame worthy well gary what are some things that you're working on um and obviously we know we want to try and give you a little bit of a following here too so like uh plug anything that you'd like my friend oh wow um you can follow me on facebook i'm sure you can put my facebook in the description and that's really all i have is facebook i don't do instagram or twitter or anything of that i just do facebook i think you gotta change that man you you want to talk some more (laughs) memorabilia you want to get some items out there i think you know you should get that social media following i don't know i'm just gonna make a gary miselli like instagram page whether you choose to hit me up for the account access or not uh that's that's fine that's up to you uh but no all right well (laughs) gary miselli on facebook i'm sure there's not many gary miselli so should be easy to find listeners other than that guys you know where to find us you're listening to the podcast but are you subscribed to the podcast closing in on a thousand subscribers on youtube we appreciate you guys hitting that subscribe button but hey a thousand is just a start we're going to two thousand next we're going to three thousand keep the love going at slumpbuster podcast on ig at slumpbuster pod on twitter come for the memes stay for the pod don't be a chump use promo code slump and save yourself some money at cavemancoffeeco.com Bust a slump with Caveman Coffee Co. Guys, I need to stay safe, happy, and healthy, and we'll see you on the next one.